0: You're not going to have a very good team if the locker room, if the, I mean, if the locker room's not holding everybody accountable, I mean, just think about that. If that's not happening in your locker room, you can't be good. Coaches can't do that. I mean, think you could try to, as a coach, you could try to hold, I mean, obviously you're going to hold your unit accountable, but if, if the players aren't holding each other accountable, I mean, what kind of team do you have? You don't have, one. you don't have a team. So from that aspect, that's what I tried to make it as much as I could a team atmosphere. I did not want it to be a dictatorship. I didn't want it to be just, uh, you know, I just I wanted you guys to have some ownership. But I also wanted you guys to know that you're going to be held accountable for everything you did.
1: hello and welcome back or welcome to up close in personnel with alex brown i'm your host alex brown director of recruiting with rice university's football program and it is incredibly rewarding to say that we are on our 40th episode thank you for taking time to listen along as my aim has been and will continue to be educating and empowering those involved in scouting and evaluating at all levels of football If you haven't already, please be sure to hit that subscribe button, rate and share the show with someone you know. I appreciate the patience that uh, everyone is is giving me as it has become tougher to churn out these episodes on a weekly basis as we have started spring ball. We just finished our third practice, but now that we're settled into a spring schedule, expect to get your weekly dose of personnel talks moving forward. Now to our guest of the week, my great friend and mentor, former boss, Adrian Mays. Adrian, a former walk-on, turn scholarship, and all-conference starter on the offensive line for KU, currently serves as the tight ends coach for UNT in Dallas, Texas. Working his way up the coaching ranks as a GA at Rice and at Ohio State, Adrian's first full-time position at the college level was as my boss in the director of recruiting role for the University of Houston. Overseeing to this day one of the greatest signing classes in Group of Five history that included the likes of top 10 NFL draft pick and All-American Ed Oliver, quarterback D.R. King, who's over at Miami, and now a current top 100 draft prospect in the 21 class, Marquez Stevenson, Adrian really helped spearhead the movement known today as the H-Town Takeover. This week's episode doesn't actually touch on the H-Town Takeover. We really dive into what it takes to be the director of recruiting and the mindset to be a great leader in that role. We talked about hiring interns, what he looks for, how he hires people instilling a sense of ownership in your staff and having a, what he described as, you know, the walk-on mentality. You want to give somebody an opportunity to prove themselves. The importance of setting high standards and holding your guys accountable. The conversation on attention to detail and being thorough in your work, it goes all the way down to formatting Excel documents. I mean, we're we're checking constantly and what whatever work you put out and hand to a coach on staff or your head coach, that's a, a reflection of you and your work ethic and your professionalism. So uh, we kind of talked through that and then really just creating a team atmosphere that cultivates those two traits, ownership and accountability. If you can create that in your recruiting department uh, and the people that you lead, that's what separates the good from the great. When you're able to have guys that take ownership of the thing that they're doing and accountability for each other on having a high standard in the work that you do. Lastly, I mean, we just kind of touched on this as as well, but just lessons learned over the course of the last six years and how Adrian approaches recruiting now, because 2015 was six years ago. And so what does it look like now in 2021? What does it look like as a recruiter when you can't go on the road, when you can't have guys on campus? So we could have gone at least another hour, but it was an absolute privilege having AD on the show with me. And I'm excited to now turn it over to my conversation with UNT tight end coach. Adrian Mays.
0: Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh man, okay, all right. AD, um. hey
1: welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Alex.
1: It's crazy that uh, it's been six years since you first brought me on. It was right around this time. During uh, spring ball in 2015.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Do you do you remember our first interaction?
0: Uh, I believe you came up to the office and handed me your resume, and I pretty much just told you thanks and sent you along your way. I I
1: believe that's how it went. That's exactly it went like I tell the story a million times because it was like 15 seconds. You're like you, you see me from all the way down the hallway. You're like, hey man. I've got 10 seconds. I got a meeting to go to. So whatever you got to do, just give it to me. Cause I got to go. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I'm like thinking in my head, like, all right, this is elevator pitch time, right? Yeah, sure. Yep. All right, cool. So can you talk me through when you took over and, and we'll go through your, your background, but like, what was your thought process when you were bringing in interns? Because, um, man, the, the, the maze tree is, is, uh, is getting it's, pretty, strong, isn't it? it's getting pretty strong right now so Brian Carrington yeah. over at yeah. USC you got Clayton over at Sam Houston John Wilson just took over his alma mater what was your thought process when you were doing that
0: well i had i had a couple things in mind i
1: was going to you
0: know obviously is my first uh director of recruiting job um and looking at you know obviously i studied ohio state how they were able to do things there in their recruiting department. I studied Alabama, how they were able to do things in their department. And then I just kind of took personal experiences from being a GA at Rice, being a player at University of Kansas. And I just kind of wanted to piece everything together uh, the best I could and find quality uh, individuals to take those those jobs. But I always wanted to get somebody that was going to be smarter than me that was hiring Alex Brown at the moment. Uh, and then I wanted to get a guy that I thought was just different than than all of us. Uh, and that's where Brian came in, where he is just, you know, he's like, a, he just, he's like the players. Uh, and he he could really relate to them in a different way that even I can, you know, uh, cause he's he was around their age. Uh, he was from Houston, he went to Houston. Uh, and so it, it, that's kind of what I was looking for. And then, you know, obviously behind the scenes and, you know, hiring the Peacock, the John Wilson, uh, who else am I forgetting? Jeff Pope. Oh, Pope, my man, Pope, uh, those guys, you know, they were kind of similar to us, but they were also, you know, uh, you know, younger guys trying to get in the profession and that sort of thing. So that's kind of what, uh, Qualities I was looking for. One, and it sounds funny. I literally was trying to get somebody that I knew was smarter than me. Number one, that was my first objective. And then the second objective was I wanted to find somebody that could really, really dive into to these recruits and be like them uh, and very similar. And and you know, obviously, there's other qualities that I was looking for. I thought that. All the guys that we were able to get into Houston at the time, you guys were all real. You guys weren't fake. I don't like. It's very easy to tell. In the like I said, in the very first fifteen seconds, it's easy to tell if somebody's fake. And you know, I wanted guys that one had a passion for recruiting, which we got amazing stories about. One, number one, you driving up there, just handing me stuff, and you know, trying your trying your best to get your foot in the door, and. And really, you know, when I looked over your resume and when I met you in person and how how you held yourself together in those 15, because that's kind of, you know, that I mean, it's not rude, but it's kind of pushing you and you better be prepared. And you were prepared in 15 seconds. And I knew I wanted to hire you uh, in those 15 seconds. And then you got Brian, who sends me this email.
1: (laughs) This this is is a classic. This is the best thing. yeah, that says
0: he's the greatest recruiter of all time and blah blah blah. And I'm like, dude, this guy, this guy's got something about him. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was more, you know, his swag, and you know, he really he just wanted to be great. So reading that email, uh, you know, and obviously I knew a couple things. I was like, well, Brian can learn some things from me and 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 I can learn some things from Brian, uh, as far as uh, you know, just being thorough and uh and, and that sort sort of thing so it was very easy to make those those two hires and then you know obviously john and, and pope and peacock those were all easy hires as well they're all good guys and work hard and uh they wanted to be great at recruiting and really made that that whole H Town takeover thing just explode and obviously Dallas Blacklock too that's I think he's he's yeah. still at Texas Southern unbelievable i mean our department and grace muscarello she did an unbelievable job i mean we just had an all-star
1: staff the, the craziest part is that you went from a ga straight into a director of recruiting role and you obviously talked about you know your are playing background at ku and you were part of some really really good teams can you just walk us mm-hmm. through real quick how you went from being a ga to Taking a full-time director of recruiting role. And obviously that had a lot to do with your relationship with with Tom, but yeah. I think I think a lot of people in today's day and age of of football and coaching and professions, everybody wants to talk about the next job or say, oh, this is what I'm gonna go. These are my goals. But instead of doing the work where you're where you are and being where your feet are, you're just thinking about this next job. And I think it's really cool that you went from a GA to a director role. Yeah. I mean At the end of the day, I think, you know, I
0: can't speak to why, he. I mean, Tom, he never told me why he hired me. I never asked, but, you know, if I'm, if I'm him just looking at uh, myself as a GA, I would say I was very thorough. I uh, was very particular on the way I held myself. I think I held myself in a business manner, Um, you know, I would say I'm, I was wise and very mature um, as a GA at Ohio state. Um, I worked very hard. Uh, And then also, you know, my time at Ohio state, I was recruiting guys. Like I was getting, I was getting old linemen in there that were very talented and I was helping recruit, uh, calling guys, bringing, bringing the phone to urban, bringing it to Tom. So I think they, you know, he saw that. uh, And obviously he knew I wanted to coach. And I think, Um, you know, deep down in his mind, he, you know, he, he probably didn't want to hire me because he knew that eventually within, you know, nine, 10 months that I'd be looking for a position job because I told him, you know, I, you know, I, I'd love to do that job. I'll go a hundred miles an hour, but I said, my passion is to coach, you know, that's what I want to do. Um, and the, the greatest thing about, you know, going back to Houston is my wife's job was still in Houston, uh. You know, my wife was pregnant at the time at Ohio State, so it was a natural move for me to take that job and not entertain other specific jobs at the time that were available. Um, so it really worked out. Um, I don't know why it worked out for me that way, but that's just kind of it's kind of how it worked out. And I think whatever job you're doing, you know, whether you're a GA intern, quality control do a really good job at that job and something else will present itself. And it may not be something that, that you're currently in. Um, yeah, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, relationships and you working hard. And, you know, obviously if you're doing a really good job as a GA, you're probably going to do a really good job at another job. Cause you're going to be a quick learner. Um, you're going to ask guys, you know, I have no, I have no ego. I don't I have no problem calling guys and asking them how they do things. And, you know, and a lot of guys will pick up the phone and love to do that because you you you're making them feel like they're the goat, you know, if per se. So, you know, so I just think that, you know, just do a really good job at where you're at and other things will present
1: themselves. Yeah. Was there a specific like head coach or or position coach you had that kind of like instilled that kind of mindset where you should never have an ego as far as, you know, hitting people up to learn things, but also with the way you've led us and the way you directed that staff, you let me and Brian go directly to the coaches on our staff. You didn't kind of shelter us in the back corner. Like you put us out there and said, all right, it's sink or swim time once we teach you how, how this ship works. So did you get that from somebody or is that just kind of something that you've always believed in? You know, I would like to say I got it from somebody. Um,
0: you know, I, I read a lot of books and take a lot of things from those books, but I also obviously I've had experiences with uh different head coaches being, you know, bailiff, you know, from spectrum from David Bailiff to Urban Meyer. Um, so I you know, I think a lot of it though, honestly, uh just my background, uh, number one, I walked on it the University of Kansas there, and Mark Mangino was the head coach at at that time. I think I learned very early (laughs) that, you know, I I really don't know. I can't pinpoint exactly what it was, but I think it has something to do with just being a walk-on and (laughs) proving people wrong. And I wanted to give you guys a chance because, I one, I saw it in you. And all you needed is a chance. So once you got your chance, you guys both knocked it out of the park. And it was very easy. And, of course, I looked like the smartest person in America at the time. But honestly, it was you guys. I mean, you guys had a passion and you guys worked hard. um, And all I had to do is give you a shot.
1: You remember how uh, (laughs) Brian was always the tape guy yeah he fell in love with just taping boards and and yeah and you made that one in the office and we'd all like it was literally just rows on rows and you said all right find a guy and just write him on the board and every single day we watched probably like sometimes it was 10 15 20 there's a lot of guys and a lot of guys and the craziest thing is like we're here six years later I feel like every weekend we're texting each other about hey remember that kid yep uh you know Talking smack to each other about how we liked them and we didn't pull the right. trigger. Yeah, and we
0: was it was it good trigger enough
1: trigger. for UH or whatever? Yeah, um, yeah. How has your process changed since then? Because I mean, we we comb through so many guys, um, right. but it's I mean, six years is a long time in recruiting. So, no what are some things that you've you feel like you've learned that have made you a better recruiter in 2021?
0: Better recruiter in 2021. Well. But- with the whole quarantine thing, you know, I think, you know, I, I don't know. You know, there there's a lot of things. Um, I wouldn't say that a lot of things are different from what we were doing. I, I still think it's important to comb through that many guys because, there, you know, there's not diamonds in the rough per se, but you can miss some things. You can miss some guys uh, if you don't watch them. Right. And and that happens. And, you know, fortunate enough for me now that I'm not the uh, director of recruiting where I have, you know, everybody's area and I'm trying to comb through all their guys. I just have my own area and I still do the same thing. I watch everybody. If a high school coach tells me he's a player, I'm watching. I know sometimes, you know, coaches will give you 10 guys, but, you know, that's tough. But that's your job. They give you those guys. Go watch them. So. I watch them, you know, and, and make my judgment. If I don't think they're good enough to play it, you know, North Texas, then I move on. Um, I would say one thing, though, is like that early in my career that we missed on and it's just like in, like intangibles. Like even though a guy did not have the specific size requirement, uh, and you can't take – You can't take all guys that are undersized because if you do, you'll have a team full of undersized guys and you'll just get beat up. Um, But I think you have to really dive into some intangible, especially if you like a guy, if you like them, go find out why he is so good on tape, but he, but he happens to be undersized and you know who I'm talking about right now.
1: Yeah. Patrick Taylor. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, I, I was, yeah. I was I was going to ask you about him because um and we could talk about it because he cuz cuz he's done playing he's done playing college and you know he's yeah. in the NFL now. Um yeah. so Patrick Taylor just for our listeners out there he's at Taskascita High School right down the road in Houston. This man showed up at every single game. I yeah. mean, I don't I don't feel like he missed anything. And no, he, he was he was a bigger back and we were trying to decide if he's a backer or if he's a running back and and he was really likable. So, um, I mean, what what do you do now as far as, like, how, how has that changed the questions you ask and, and the way you kind of press deeper into those guys that you like?
0: Yeah, I think it's a, it, you know, obviously, you know, being the director of recruiting, you don't get to go out and go see these guys either unless they come to camp. So it's a little different now where you can go. Actually, it's not even much different right now because of quarantine, but... Uh, 'Cause we can't go out and see him, but um seeing him and then phone calls. I mean, you can really tell, you know, FaceTime and all those things. You just getting around these guys. You can really tell uh the love of, of football. I mean, that guy had a love of football, wouldn't you say, Alex? Just yeah, think back, to that. Yes. He might he might not have been in the fastest. He didn't have the quickest feet at running back. He was he didn't have it, he didn't have all that, but he loved the game. And we found out that he loved the game. It's just that you know, for whatever reason, he wasn't he wasn't a Houston Cougar at the end of the day.
1: Right. Should have been. Yes, should have been. Uh Man, they they pulled it. I mean, Memphis really pulled a couple of guys that just beat us that were from our area. That was the hardest part. Um, yeah. So we're both in spring ball. Going back to the time that I joined you, y'all were in the middle of spring ball. And this year's spring is completely different. It's, you know limited if not any visitors at your practices it's a dead period for recruiting so kids the only way you're getting them you know around your coaches and around your practices you know through facetime but yeah how how are you working your area and how are you recruiting as a you know area coach and a position coach during this time period without being able to have those face-to-face contacts because it is hard
0: it is really hard um i mean i'm probably doing the what everybody else is doing, FaceTime and calling and uh, and that sort of thing. But that's really, you know, at this time, that's, I mean, you could play some video games and things like that, but I, I'm terrible at them. So, you know, I, you know, I haven't played games, video games in a while. So that that's kind of a, you know, I don't, I'm not against it. I'll, I'll hop on there and play yeah. them if I need to, if they, they're like, coach, you play this game. I'm like, nah, not really, but I'll get on there if you want me to, you know? But uh, really just FaceTime. You know what? I feel like I call guys more, to be honest, because you don't get to see him as much. So you're like, ah, oh, man, I wonder what, you know, I wonder what he's doing, you know? Yeah. So, I, and guys call me. So I think, you know, I think maybe kids are getting more inclined to get on the phone and FaceTime and call guys during this time. So, because to be honest with you, some kids don't even like that. They want to they want to text and, you know, just come up. They don't really want to sit on the phone, you know, just think about that. I mean, just think about this, this age. Now, a lot of them, a lot of them are, you know, don't want to just sit there on the phone, you know, they want to, but I feel like this, this period of time and them not being able to get on campus, they want to, they want to kind of get on the phone with you and and get recruited and
1: get to know you. And
0: obviously we're doing the same thing. So, uh, um, That's kind of what I'm doing, just FaceTiming and calling and and that sort of thing right now. It's
1: kind of like that balancing act of hitting a guy up so that, you know, you're the first person on their mind, but not blowing their phone up to where they're like, oh, crap, like he's calling me again. We're going to have the same conversation. Um, Uh,
0: Here's what I'll say about that.
1: Like, I'm not a salesman. Yeah, I get on the phone and just talk to him. Just I mean, say like, like just have a generic like, conversation. Like, like what is the guy doing right now? You know, yeah. how's the family doing? Like, don't ask, hey, how'd you do at the last track meet? Like, dude, you could yeah. look that you can look that yeah. up online.
0: Yeah, you can look that stuff up. That's I mean, that's part of your job. Do your homework. Yeah. If I'm having to ask him what he's doing, like as far as tr- his track and his basketball, I mean, that's obviously I, I don't care that much about him because I didn't get on the on Google and just Google, you know, so and so basketball or so and so track meet, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you know, really, I just just try to get on there, have fun. I mean, Aiden's around most of the time, so he wants to jump on there. My wife walks by, she says hi, so it's just like a normal, just like I'm talking to a cousin or a, a brother or uncle or whatever, you know. Just yeah. Normal conversation.
1: And. I, f- I feel like the kids are getting better about that. Like, yeah, they're, they're, they're way more comfortable on FaceTime than two, three years ago. I agree. Yeah. Two or three years
0: ago, it was like pulling teeth to get them on FaceTime.
1: Yeah. And you tell them to, Hey, call me at this time. And they're FaceTime. Yeah. You. I mean, yeah. yeah. So when it comes to spring ball, um, I'm asking this selfishly, um, Yeah, as a director of recruiting, I'm not coaching a position group, but I'm evaluating my team, especially as we're heading into this next cycle. And you've already had your numbers kind of set from the previous signing class as far as working on the 22s. But where do you see the role of the director of recruiting, DPP, whatever the the title is um, when it's evaluating practices? Because I think everybody has a different kind of approach to that.
0: Right. Uh, Well, I think you you can only focus on a position a day. Yep. I don't think you can try to focus on the entire team because it's just well, number one, it's hard to see all that. Um, that's what I did. And and if you remember, we kind of broke it up as positionally as each as each uh recruiting staff member, if you remember that Houston. Yep. Um, and kind of just give a report. But I think the, the things you're looking for is just look at the guys you recruited. Uh look at the guys that are currently there. I mean, obviously you can't when you're recruiting a 17, 18-year-old and you're trying to see, oh, is this guy going to get really big? I mean, you could tell that by body structure and that sort of thing, but you really don't know. You don't know how big these guys are going to get. So really, you're looking at movements, you know, change of direction, all the things you look at on tape in recruiting uh, by position. Um, And you're kind of evaluating, number one, yourself, who you're bringing in and how they look. Obviously, we don't have you know, you don't have a hundred percent say on who you take. You kind of guide, you're basically a tour guide, Yep. Um, but you kind of evaluate yourself. You evaluate other coaches and, you know, the guys that they're bringing in. And um, you're always trying to look for, if you got a really good one, you're trying to look for that on tape. You're trying to look for those, those same skill sets and uh, trying to find a guy that's better. To be honest, I mean, you're evaluating that unit, you're giving it a grade, and sometimes that, you know, you know, you get certain numbers, like especially in college. You don't, I mean, every position has a a number of guys you're going to take, and what it, what if, what if everybody in that group's not very good? Right. You, you you bet you even all the scholarships that you better go take another guy.
1: Right. It's and, it's, it's that mindset of uh, say we we want eight defensive ends. But yeah. Three of them can't play. You really got five. Yeah, you got five. <laughs>
0: right. So you better fix it, you know? Yeah. So we got to that. And then uh if you remember at Houston too, we got into a point like everybody wanted to jump on board the H Town to take over. It was wrong. Yeah. So yeah. at at one point, I was like, you know, you know, this, and we got other position needs, but we got we got some dudes that are trying to come here in the same position let's just let them in yeah and uh we can fix it down the road which i don't know it probably hurt us a little bit but yeah uh, <laughs> i know we had some talent
1: <laughs> yeah and i mean to to get into that i mean it, it really felt like every skill guy wanted to come here yeah. i mean they, they were they were watching greg ward and those guys winning solves a lot of things and it and sure it helps so much in recruiting oh it does when um when it comes to the people that you've learned from, uh, you know, you're someone that's a, that's a real mentor for me. I know for Brian as well. We're always calling each other and talking about, you know, everything from life oh, to all. Can you hear me now? All right. So we're back from technical difficulties. Where were we? I have no idea. We're just getting started. I think. Yeah. I think we're just getting started. <laughs> How did you, okay. So, a much different relationship than when we first started working together. You yeah. coached us hard. Like you got after us. Yeah. And I love it. And mm-hmm. it's helped me kind of shape how I work with my interns and with my yeah. guys like it's not that you you're trusting easily, it's that you're entrusting like a lot of responsibility and you're right. holding them to a high standard and showing them why. Like yeah, there's always kind of that component of this is why and I need to build trust with you. But how were you able to do that? And kind of keep that? I don't know, that mentorship role that kind of, okay, well, I know that he's doing this out of my best interest.
0: Right? <laughs> it's, uh, gosh, you know, it, it's really the sport of football. Yeah. Think. think I mean, think about it. I mean, you're not going to have a very good team if the locker room, if the, I mean, if the locker room's not holding everybody accountable, I mean, just think about that. If that's not happening in your locker room, you can't be good. Coach, you can't do that. I mean, think you could try to, as a coach, you could try to hold, I mean, obviously you're going to hold your unit accountable, but if, if the players aren't holding each other accountable, I mean, what kind of team do you have? You don't have, one. you don't have a team. So from that aspect, that's what I tried to make it as much as I could, a team atmosphere. I did not want it to be a dictatorship. I didn't want it to be just, uh, you know, I just, I wanted you guys to have some ownership, but I also wanted you guys to know that you're going to be held accountable for everything you did. Um, And just, just thinking back, on that uh, a lot of that came from when I was at Ohio State just watching uh, urban and you know I'm not saying that um, that's exactly how it was but it was very similar of just holding guys accountable and it's not like I had to do it in a vicious way. I just held you guys accountable yeah and I didn't I didn't threaten you guys or I just held you accountable uh, and that is a lot of work for a director. I mean, that's what you should do as a director, in my opinion. Uh, Anytime you're in charge of something, you should you should be holding everybody accountable. It's hard to do that. Yeah, it's a lot of work, and I'm sure you're finding that out. It's a lot of work to do that. Yes. Um, But it's very it's necessary, and I think the the part that the that's a big part of it, and then just get letting you guys have ownership in what what you were doing. I think was my philosophy you know, thinking back, you know, obviously I was, I think I was like 27 maybe at the time. So I didn't have everything yeah. uh, put together, but I had those two things going. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's been awesome to have you on. I know you got to take Aiden to, uh, to swim lessons at nine 50. I'll give uh, you 10
0: more minutes. Cause I'm having so much fun. There we go.
1: Now we're talking. I know John Regan and Ed Warner are, are big people for you. What, what did you take away from kind of how they coached and, and how you interacted with them?
0: You know, both of those guys are very similar. They're a little bit different. Uh, uh, they're a little bit different, but um, a, lot of, a lot of the things that I, just how thorough they were. I mean, both of those guys are so thorough in everything they do. I mean, when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to coaching, um those guys are thorough and they work hard it's you know it's you would like to say that that's every coach it's not I've been you know been in GA I've been at places it's not everybody's not like that it's you know but those guys were very thorough and I think I took that those are the two things that I just took from them just the uh put your head down and just grind and uh work as hard as you can and be very thorough in what you do like as you know, when you guys would bring me stuff, I'd be like, well, why is that off-centered? Why is this? Why does it look like that? Like, let's get this thing right. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, I think, I think at early in your guys' career, that probably helped you guys. Like, well, don't, I better check over this and make sure it's there's no misspelling. Cause you guys, I mean, you know what I
1: used to do. I used oh, to yeah. whip it up and throw it and throw so it in the trash it's so, so like, it's, it's so, it's so funny you say that. Cause, um, I'm breaking in two new interns, right? And yeah. uh pass out, you know, the offer sheets and like updates on what what's yeah. going on with these recruits. We do that every week. And so I spent the early part of the week showing them how we wanted to do it. And then at the end of the week, hey, print it out, bring it to me, and then you're gonna pass it out. Yeah. And like first time you printed out, the order was completely wrong. I was like, told you to check the order. It's I crumpled it up, threw it away. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I, did the, I did the same thing, and then. Yeah came back had it right but there were there were no lines there was like it, sure. you, you know what it's like an excel yeah. excel yeah. document and didn't have yeah. the lines lines it, yeah. it's it's so crazy how it goes completely full circle on you yeah then you're like man i did that once yep
0: yeah in the and the neat thing too alex is at some point when they're when they're doing that you can go back and tell them, like hey i did this one time i'm sure you probably I, already yeah, said I did some stories yeah. with them and like Cause I did the same. I was like, you know, I've done this too. I, you know, I brought something to Ed Warner when I was GA in him, and he, he looked at me and he crumbled it up. He said, Oh, he said, go fix these things and then bring it back to me. He said, make sure you check over your work before you bring it to me. And you just gotta, you gotta be thorough in what you do. And, and obviously those things are, you can learn how to be thorough. You can learn how to spell check and go back and, and comb over what you've done. And that's just so important uh, in any profession.
1: Well, especially now in coaching for for you, like on the coaching side, like you've got to be able to do stuff virtually and like, you've got probably presentation after presentation now. Right? Um, I feel like this is kind of bringing out the best and the worst in people. So you're either going to rise up to it or not. Um, Right? Do you feel like this kind of the COVID restrictions have kind of made you a better coach as far as how you're teaching it and how you're kind of developing your guys?
0: Oh no question it definitely has uh and you know it 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 also shows you that you can you can still be a good great coach just doing it off these zoom calls you know it's just you just got to teach and you got to keep them engaged and uh you have to present it a different way i think it it definitely added to the uh the coaching profession uh another dimension that that you can get get through the get through the kids uh, through zoom and uh, just the, any video conference type of uh platform.
1: And the last question I, I really have is kind of building off of that. You ask coaches all the time, Oh, how does he pick up ball? Like, you know, high school coaches about recruits, like how smart are they? Can they pick it up? Um, but that doesn't really help you so much because it's just kind of a binary answer, right? Like, yeah. of course they're going to say, yeah, he can pick it up. But are there some things that you do when you're on the phone with a kid to try to figure out, all right, like how sharp is this kid? Like, how is he going to adapt and adjust to what we're going to give him and what we're going to put on his plate? Like, do you have a process for kind of determining that football intelligence or really just not necessarily common sense, but like how sharp a guy is?
0: I sure do. And uh, I always go over a concept with them uh, and then have them teach it back to me. And I go through every detail and number one, you can see what they're doing. Okay. Number one, how, how is the guy learning? Okay. You're teaching them the concept. You're on the video, you're on a video conference. Is the guy got a book? Is he writing it down or is he just sitting there listening? Okay. All right. You go from there. All right. He's listening. He's not writing anything. And then he's able to regurgitate everything you said back to you or he's not. All right. All right. One guy writes it down. Um, he writes the concept down and then he gets on the screen with you. Well, he's having to look down and look at the concept, go back and forth, or he's, he, he, he wrote it down and he learned it that way. And then he's able to regurgitate it that way. And, you know, that's only one aspect because some guys learn it from actually walking through that concept. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're not going to really get the walkthrough part of it. Um, but that that's one way that I, that I always have used. And, you know, I, and then I ask them to uh, teach me their favorite concept. If they can't teach you their favorite concept or have no idea what the, the play call, I mean, they probably, one, they might not be invested in football um, or two, they just, they aren't able to quite learn the concept. And then three, sometimes they're just not taught the concept exactly. You know the, the great the, the best way that they can learn it so you do have to take all those uh things into to account and try to comb through and figure out exactly how the guy learns or if he's able to learn at the end of the day when you take a guy he's he's your baby so you can you better figure out how he learns and i like to do that before i get them and that way i kind of know exactly how those guys learn
1: yeah well oh, that makes sense hey man I appreciate you. Thank you for yeah. hopping on the call. Uh Absolutely. Thank you for, for, for dealing with the uh, little technical difficulties. But uh, where can our listeners go find, find and follow Coach Mays, tight ends coach over at UNT?
0: Uh, you know what? All you have to, to go is to the old Twitter here, and it is Coach A-M-A-Y-E-S. That is my Twitter handle.
1: <laughs> It's, it, I, do, I love doing that to people because they always have to, like, pull out their phone and, like, look it oh, up. Oh, no question. Because I I no, exactly nobody knows that. it. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, hey. But you know what?
0: It's uh, This has been fun, Alex. I wish we could spend more time because I know we could talk for unlimited hours about everything. But I really appreciate you and your friendship. And you, you're doing a heck of a job over there at Rice. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next season. I guess we play there at Rice, right?
1: yep back at our place
0: back at your place so it'll be fun to see you and keep doing your thing man you're doing a heck of a job
1: no i appreciate it next time we're on we can uh we can dive into like h-town takeover and some of those things and oh hey that we didn't even we we didn't even touch on it so that's a completely different episode no
0: that 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 thing right there was a monster and uh it took all of us to come up with great ideas and i'll tell you this uh Blacklock and I were t- talking one day and we're sitting in the office and we're just going through names. And, uh, <laughs> we are I mean, we're literally just sitting there just like, what can we do? And, you know, one book came to my mind uh, when we are going through all this and trying to figure out how we're gonna make, like, cause we came up with the name and then we're like, all right, what do we do with this name? It's not, it's like, you can't just tweet it out there and it's gonna be sweet or something. And then when we kept bringing those recruits in and doing the thirty for thirty, and if you remember all that, yep. I was like, when when I was thinking about things to do, is this this book uh, Eric Spolster's book, Marketing Outrageous, and that really opened my mind like of different things to do, and some of them were silly, but you know, but but for whatever reason, it came on, you know, it really it really took off, and obviously good great players helped that uh obviously never forget that great players make great coaches and great director of recruiting so at the end of the day
1: players win games at the end of the day players players win games and coaches lose games right yeah
0: so yeah you just need to put great players you know at the top of your building there and that's exactly how you get it done
1: hey y'all better not be late oh we won't all right all right brother see you see you